is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hi, my name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead number 454, recorded on Tuesday, October the 15th, 2019. Welcome to the program, everybody. I am coming to you from hot as crap Austin, Texas today, from the remote Talking Dead studios. Hot? What's the temperature there? Well, I don't know, but it was over 30 degrees Celsius, I think. And it's not only hot, but it's humid as crap oh my god you think toronto's humid and it is sometimes in the summer but boy oh yeah. boy it is unpleasant here i i gotta say that that sounds gross it was a it was a nice 16 degrees today here oh beautiful and sunny beautiful probably, right and not and humid sunny at all. and windy it was ideal ideal well it's different down here and i like the heat i don't mind the heat but boy it is, uh, it's just gross walking around out there. It's like swimming more than walking. Yeah. Anyways, uh, that's, that's where I am. So that is super fun. Um, and also I'm of course recording in a hotel room here with, uh, very high ceilings and a room that seems to have a constant hum to it. So Jason, I don't know if you can hear it, but I have no idea what's going to happen on the microphone. I hope it sounds okay. I heard something earlier. I don't hear anything right now because uh, you're talking and then I'm talking, so I think we're okay. And I have a okay. constant hum that happens inside my skull. I have uh, tinnitus uh-huh. from all the years of being a drummer, so uh, I probably won't hear it. No, well, you probably won't, but I hope the mic doesn't pick it up too much. I don't know what it is. I can't figure it out. I turned off the heating system. Uh, everything is... The lights most are mostly turned off, so... I don't know what it is, but hopefully everything sounds all right. Um, but that's enough, uh, enough um, apologizing <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> we'll, we'll just have to find out. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, welcome to the show, everyone. We are here to talk about season two. No, season 10, episode two of The Walking <laughs> Dead. Season two again? Yeah, we're going to just go back and start at season two and see if, you know, see what happens. Uh, no, no, no. Season 10 episode two we got plenty of title reads so here they come we are the end of the world whisper style we are the end of the world carol is the end of the children season five should have been the end of fear but the main show keeps giving Thank you. Thank you very much. We are the end of the world. We are the end of the world. I hope they don't kill any more little girls. So glad the main show has returned now that fear has crashed and burned no time for losers we are the end of the world we are the end of the 
around the world We're the survivors We are the ones who make a better day So start killing walkers And there's a choice for making We're saving our own lives It's true, we make a better day Just you and me Thank you so much, Lee in St. Catharines, Scott in Arkansas, Reese on the internet, Anwin in New Zealand, and Leisha in Arkansas for those title reads. A lot of singing there, Jason. Yeah, we we have great singers as listeners. That was uh, that was fantastic. I know it was all really really good. So those were great. Thank you to all of you for sending in those title reads. So it is, of course, we are the end of the world, season ten, episode two, written by Nicole Morante Matthews and directed by Greg Nicotero. Again, the second one in a row directed by Nicotero. Yeah, I, I like the idea of having a, a consistent director. I think more shows to, should do that. I actually think that is a good idea, too, you know? Um, sometimes shows have just a single director for an entire season. Not many, to be honest, and The Walking Dead's never done that, but Nicotero generally does two to four episodes a season and he's already got two under his belt this uh season so they should give him more i mean he seems to do a pretty good job i think so yeah okay the ratings for this episode the millions of people that watched it is uh a little bit depressing (laughs) jason i hate to say it 3.47 million oh man which is a new low it is the lowest of all time last week if you recall was four million on the dot well now we're down at 3.47 so that's rough i still think we're in pretty good shape i mean technology is still moving forward there's still other ways to get this show like i don't watch it live you watch it live but that's you know that's 50 percent of the you know the podcast hosts of this entire podcast uh, are, are only watching it live yeah no i hear you but uh, it's and and of course there are more numbers on the plus four and plus seven and things like that for days, but uh, I, more viewers I should say, not more numbers. But three point four seven million live again, just kind of depressing for The Walking Dead. Anyways, very very low. Yeah. Anyways, um, this episode was all whisperers. And before we get into the recap, Jason, I thought that doing an all whisperer episode for episode number two of the season was kind of a bold move. You know, we had, last week we had a reintroduction to what was going on, establishing where everybody is, what they're doing, how long it's been since season nine, you know, ended, stuff like that. Sort of the mentality of everybody. And now all of a sudden, bang, none of that anymore. We're into all whisperers all the time this episode. So what did you think of that? Did you find it a little jarring or... Were you okay with it? Well, I did find it a little jarring, and it took me a long time to figure out what was going on in my mind in uh, while watching this episode. And I finally figured it out. Figured it out. It this episode reminded me of the feeling of uh, riding a Greyhound bus in Northern Ontario on Christmas Eve. Okay. So that might seem a little bit out there, but let me explain. So. Uh, I had to go to the Sioux on Christmas Eve one time, and I had to take a Greyhound bus. I was pretty much on this bus uh, alone because it was Christmas Eve, 
And uh, there was also no traffic on the roads uh, the entire way up. There was, a, a, you know, stretches of 10, 15 minutes uh, on the highway between Sudbury and the Sioux where we would not see another car oncoming or even in the same direction. So everybody was doing Christmas Eve. So it was, uh, it was relatively pleasant, right? So, you know, uh, so it's, it's like being in a pleasant situation, but you're still sitting on a goddamn bus. You're right. still waiting for the damn trip to be over. As pleasant as the trip is, it's still a, something to endure. Uh-huh. So I felt this, this episode kind of felt that way to me. Like it was, there was good points to it, but uh, I think my problem is that I find the whisperers boring. So I found this whole episode boring, even though there was some things that were, uh, well, there was a lot of it that was still relatively entertaining, but I still couldn't wait for the episode to be over. Hmm. Interesting. All right. Well, maybe we'll talk about that a little bit more as we go along here. Wait, wait, how did, how did you feel about it? Did you feel it was jarring? I, I felt it was a bold choice, but I think it worked. Um, I didn't really find it jarring or something I had to endure. I, I quite liked this episode uh, for a number of reasons. And, and I think a big, one of the big ones is Samantha Morton. I think she, as, as Alpha, I think she brings a lot to that character, brings a lot to that role, uh, a lot of crazy. And yeah. the the whispers in general have a lot of sort of crazy around all of them, but she's really the head number one crazy person, and I think she does a really good job portraying that. So, a lot of what I liked about it was her, but overall, um, I was yes a little bit surprised to not see any of our other characters, but I think it kind of makes sense. They last week reintroduced us to all of our familiar heroes, and this week reintroduce us to the whisperers and now that's all out of the way so we can next week start fresh with this conflict or whatever's going to happen um and and move on from there so i think this was a pretty good uh pretty good episode and even though i was surprised that it was all whisperers so soon in the season i think it worked at least for me i kind of also think we needed this episode because the conflict last time didn't make a lot of sense to me, now I think I understand better the motivations for the conflict to come. Uh, okay. So we're going to get into this in during the recap, but uh, the motivation is that Alpha has to redeem herself in the eyes of her uh, group of people, her flock, and so they have to do something like this uh, conflict in order to re-solidify herself as the leader of this uh, this group of people. So it's uh, it, it kind of it places her motivation in line with what is actually going to happen. Before it didn't make any sense to me whatsoever. Yeah, uh, and there's and actually there's parts of this episode that caused me to not understand the previous conflict even more, and we'll get into that. But uh, the motivations for why uh, the Whispers are going to attack uh, our intrepid heroes again make more sense now. Like, at least this, this, I understand the motivation and it makes sense. So that's one of the good things about this episode. Okay, good, good. Well, I'm glad there's you have something to grab onto with the Whispers now because you haven't really been able to do that yet, right? Yeah, that and I, I don't know what was wrong with me, but uh, I finally recognized Beta. I don't know if we ever talked about the actor that plays him before. Did we ever do that? And then I, I just erased it from my memory. 
Well, I don't know if we did specifically, but it's a guy named Ryan Hurst, I think. Yeah, he was in uh, Sons of Anarchy. Yeah. And he was he's fucking fantastic. I've seen him in a few other things, uh, in a few other shows and stuff, and I like this actor. And I really liked him in Sons of Anarchy. And, you know, spoiler for that show, that's been over for years. He doesn't, uh, he, he's not in the show for the entire run. And I right. was sad to see him go because he was one of my absolute favorite characters. Uh, so, yeah. I don't know why, what my brain was doing, but I did not understand who this was until this very episode. So now, uh, sure, he's still a hill giant, but uh, I like the actor, and now I'm on board with that guy. Yeah, well, I mean, he wears a mask the whole time, so I don't blame you for not really recognizing him. <laughs> yeah, but his voice is also very distinctive, and, I, and the That's fact true. that he has a big bushy beard uh, is also in line with... His character in Sons of Anarchy. Like, right. he, you know, even though he's wearing this strange mask, he doesn't look a hell of a lot different, to be honest. Right, right. Okay, well, now you know who he is, um, yeah. and you can appreciate everything he does. We start with a title card seven years ago, so another big title card. And a woman wakes up in a crashed car. There's zombies approaching, and amongst them are Alpha and Lydia. So from seven years before, Lydia is obviously much younger. Well, I guess both of them are much younger. Um, but Lydia is noticeably younger because she's a young child. Uh, the woman gets out of the car. She tries to hide under it, but the zombies get her and start tearing her apart. Uh, now, <laughs> did, you notice, uh, did you notice that the, one of the zombies got their fingers in her mouth? And popped her jaw out. Oh, it was, this was one of the <laughs> more especially brutal and gross, like, zombie eating scenes, I thought. Like, they, they, they show them, them tear her face apart. Yeah, well, he bite, bites her nose off, and then his fingers, <laughs> you can't pull somebody's jaw off their face with two fingers well whatever man like it was super disgusting i thought they they disembowel her and then they destroy her face like you don't see that we haven't seen that i mean that level of of i don't know grossness on the show in a long time i don't think it has been a while uh it was pretty gross yeah but i appreciate it i love that kind of thing that's part of the reason i'm here (laughs) (laughs) uh anyways she's getting torn apart Lydia is who is with Alpha and walking amongst the other zombies can't handle it anymore. She screams that gets some zombies attention and they have to, you know, after Alpha kills a couple, they have to run off. So they end up by this nearby hospital and they try a few doors and eventually get through one just in time as a zombie is grabbing at Lydia and, um, you know, they're saved, they think, but inside Lydia, hold on. So, this uh, this trope of uh, pulling on a door, uh, she, so she pulled on a locked and shut door uh, until exactly the right time that it absolutely needed to be open, and then it just popped open. Like, doors don't do that. I don't care. It, this is a security door. It's a one-way door, right? Uh, so doors don't open like that when you just you just pull and keep pulling, keep pulling, keep pulling until they pop open. You'd be pulling for 170 years. 
Well, maybe it's open. just a sticky door, and the latch is a little broken, so you have to wiggle it enough to get to get it to open. Maybe that's what's going on. Yeah, it's like the the trope of the car not starting until the last possible second. It's it's because the uh, the plot decided that the car needed to start at that moment in order to move forward. Yeah, I suppose. I call bullshit. Is is all. Totally, but it's a thing. Anyways, they they eventually get in, uh, and inside, Lydia starts apologizing, you know, for getting them into trouble, and then they see a big, scary-looking man with a mask on down the hall. And we go to the opening credits. And did you notice this time in the credits, Jason, that the Walking Dead logo had some flame across the bottom, so now it's on fire? No, I did not notice that. Oh, well, it does. So they're changing it up episode to episode, it looks like. I don't know if that's going to uh, persist throughout the season, but maybe it will. So keep your eyes peeled, everybody. Yeah. So now the rest of the episode takes place, you know, half and half between the present and what's going on with the Whisperers and the past, seven years ago with Alpha and younger Lydia. So we start in the present after the opening credits. We're in a Whisperer camp. Alpha and Beta are in a hut. They're talking ab- about gathering more zombies, things like that. Beta suggests that the enemy's fear will subside if they stay away too long, meaning that, you know, Michonne and everybody's fear of them will subside if they don't make their presence known. And then uh, Alpha asks if he doubts her or their quote unquote mission, and he says, no, never. So she's right. just sort of, you know, establishing her position over him a little bit. And she then suggests that he take the sisters, as she calls them, with him when they go uh, to gather more zombies because they have a gift or a scent for the dead. And all the time while he's talking to her, he's like dry scraping a blade across her head to like smooth <laughs> it out. <laughs> at, le- at least spit on her head to get a little lubricant on there. Like, oh, that's a little just, bit of lubrication uh, would be great. Yeah. yeah, dry shaving like that is just a recipe for disaster. And he's not even doing a good job because all he's doing is moving this thing along her stubble and the stubble is still there after he's done. Like he's doing a his poor <laughs> job of shaving her head, frankly. Well, they need to bring Daniel over from the other show and get him to do some head shaving. He's a barber. Yeah. I mean, when was the last time you shaved somebody's head? Like, has it been a while? Other than my own? No, a very long time, yeah. Yeah, well, I shaved somebody's head once, and uh, it takes a lot of effort and uh, a lot of precision and uh, a, a, you know some, some kind of shaving cream, not just scraping a razor across their head. <laughs> yeah, it is much more pleasant to do it that way. Uh, Okay, back in the past, we are still in the hall of the hospital. Alpha tells the big man that they mean no harm. He's kind of quiet but threatening, and Alpha says she doesn't die easily, but if he does kill her, he also has to kill Lydia. Um, (laughs) So take that, big scary man. I I think that's funny. Because, you know, that's a really kind of a shitty thing to do and to say to someone. It's like, if you're going to kill me, you better kill my daughter too because uh, I'm not leaving this world without her. I mean, I was thinking, yeah. is that a noble thing to say? And then I thought about saying something to somebody about, uh, like, something similar about my son. And there's like, there's no fucking way I would do something like that. Like, that's that's just crazy. Sure. And this is one of the one of the first times I started thinking that, boy, Alpha's really, really nuts. You know, she is 
crazy. And uh, it just gets more and more as the episode goes on, I think. But you're right. It's like, if I'm going to die, you got to kill both of us. That's that's bonkers. Like, no wonder Lydia's messed up. Like, good Lord, man. Totally. Saying stuff like that when you're supposed to be protecting your child? Yeah. That's, uh, that's just, that's sad. It is. It is sad and crazy. Uh, anyways, the big man says that they can stay one night, and Lydia asks if he's a monster, but Alpha says, we're all monsters now. So see, <laughs> everybody's a monster. <laughs> yeah. So back in the present, Beta is walking with the zombies, and the sisters are there that he's taken. Now, I should mention here that the sisters are have – one of them has a name, Francis – and her sister. Francis we've seen before, uh, but her sister is new and is as of now unnamed. So for now it's going right. to be Francis and her sister. So they're making their way down a street and Francis starts looking up at the sun. She seems to kind of enjoy that. She stops. She's looking up there. Uh, her sister tells her to quit it and worries that Beta will notice. And her sister mentions that she should have left her behind when she had the chance. So kind of another, you know, bitchy thing to say to somebody. Yeah, these are awful people. <laughs> they really are. But maybe that's why they get along so well. Uh, Maybe, but still. Like, have a little humanity here. I guess their humanity is kind of being eaten away slowly. Yeah, that's kind of the point, actually, I think, with the Whisperers. So it's coming across well, I would say. Yeah. We go back to the past, and Alpha is rinsing the blood off of Lydia in this big tub, kind of cleaning her up a bit. They not can... in the hallway, you'll notice. Well, no, not in the hallway. You're right, in another room. But I think what Beta meant is don't pass my blockade in the hallway. Stay on this side of it so you can use these rooms. Well, you know, somebody like that I'm going to pay attention to, and if he says stay in the hallway, I'm going to stay in the friggin' hallway. Uh, I'm not going to, like, start wandering around and start interpreting what he means because uh, he seems like he's a crazy person and would uh, would chop your, you know, various body parts off just because you uh, you stepped too far out of the actual hallway. No, you're right. But they did ask if there was water anywhere, which I didn't mention, and he kind of points. So maybe he said, maybe that meant you can go in the water room and the hallway. <laughs> well, he pointed at a water fountain that was in the hallway. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> they're in another room. They're washing up. That's it. They can hear zombies outside. Um, Lydia is kind of scared, and Alpha tries to comfort her silently. So on one hand, she's telling her daughter or saying things like, you got to kill both of us. And on the other hand, she's a little bit nurturing and comforting or trying to be anyways with, with her daughter. So all over the map, this person. Yeah, well, that that make you know a flaky mom is a shitty mom, right? Well, I guess in my so. opinion, like okay. you can't be a good mom sometimes and a bad mom others and be considered a good mom even a little bit. It's like when you uh, when you're hanging out with someone, you can hang out with someone and they could be the nicest person in the world, but if they're assholes to waitstaff, they're assholes. Oh yeah, it's a good point. Yeah. So Alpha goes to look through some cans of food. Uh, the big man is out there humming a tune down the hall, so Alpha starts humming, and he doesn't like that. He says to stop it, and he asks for her name, but she says the dead don't have names and they shouldn't either. So no names for now. 
Uh, she refers to the zombies as being free because they fear nothing and want only to feed. That's kind of what she's going for or identifying with, I guess. And she asks how why he's in there, and he says that the dead ran through his camp a few months ago, and he ended up here. But he says he likes the sound of the dead, and he likes it here because it's the only song he never wants to end. So from what we know about Alpha... She's run into a person that she's on board with or seems to have a similar outlook to the zombie apocalypse that she does. Yeah, sometimes crazy finds crazy and uh, that, you know, it, it's 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 not a geometric scale. It's an exponential scale. Uh, you know, when two crazy people that are good for each other but bad for the world, uh, the they're more than compounding each other. Or uh, it's it's making a whole other level of crazy. Yeah, exactly. All right, so back in the present, Beta is looking through, uh, or leading the dead through some kind of parking garage, and he rattles this gate to attract a whole bunch of zombies, then opens it so they all join his pack. So basically that's what they're doing. They're gathering zombies for their horde. Uh, outside, they have many more now. Francis does this looking at the sun thing again. And then we start hearing a baby crying and we discover that Francis was the whisperer who left the baby on the ground outside Hilltop uh, last season. And we flash back to that scene. Yeah. So there you go. Francis is not a complete unfeeling monster. She is missing her baby and, you know, doesn't feel like she did the right thing there. So she begins crying behind her zombie mask, which of course attracts the attention of some of the walkers and Beta has to save her. And as they walk away, Beta says she will pay. Whatever that means. Yeah. Well, of course. Yeah. I mean, you can't leave your baby on the ground to die and have that not affect you mentally. Uh, No, I wouldn't think so. That would be a problem. For most people. So after a commercial break, we're still in the present and we're at Whisperer Camp now. Francis is crying on the ground and apologizing. Uh, She's saying things like he's gone, he's with them in a better place, and she's talking about her baby, right? So she's sort of realizing that maybe those people do have a good thing going there. Um, And, you know, I think she's longing for that life a little bit. Uh, and not so much into the Whisperer life anymore. Yeah. Did we get the flashback where uh, Alpha said, bring the baby? Did that happen already, or is that coming up? Uh, I think that's coming up, because we get a f- okay. we get flashbacks a couple times, yeah. Um, okay, uh, but you're right. So another Whisperer almost kills uh, Francis on the ground here, but Alpha yells to stop. And Francis's sister is sort of watching all this happen. So they haven't killed her yet or punished her yet. Uh, And now we have Beta talking to Alpha, saying that she's uncommitted and she's threatened the entire pack and so on. You know, this is dangerous. We can't have her around. And uh, Alpha says that he wouldn't understand what it's like to abandon a child, which is a surprising turn i think for alpha right after she's the one who made this woman put her baby down and and leave it to die basically now she's kind of on the other side of that that coin a little bit yeah and 
again, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me, but I guess if we can just uh, accept that Alpha is an in- inconsistent, insane mess, then uh, everything makes sense in a nothing does kind of way. Yeah, and that's, I think, where we have to go. And I think, again, one of the things I really liked about this, that Alpha one second can be one way and the next second be something else. Um, that really makes her unpredictable, nuts, and you just never know what's going to happen. Because even in this scene, like before we finish it, she she says, you wouldn't know what it's like to abandon your child. And then she says Lydia was dead to her long before she, quote unquote, ended her. Um, So I guess that means she does know what it's like to abandon a child. Right. But I throughout the episode, she's all over the map with these kind of things. Yeah. Anyways, she also uh, tells Beta to bring Francis to her in the deeper place. So that sounds scary. Mm. It does. (laughs) And intriguing. And intriguing, yes. All right, back in the past, Alpha goes to sleep in a padded room. Lydia asks about what the padded room is for. Uh, What are all the pillows for? Yeah, that's right. So someone doesn't hurt themselves. They talk briefly about, you know, the big masked man, and Alpha admits that she likes him. She then hands Lydia her bunny stuffed animal, Uh, But she refuses it, saying she's not a baby anymore. She doesn't need that kind of thing anymore. And she says, I want to be more like you, Mama. And Alpha says that if she can't be like her, she'd have to leave her behind. So, (laughs) I mean, what a horrible person. (laughs) You know? Yeah. In the present, we have Francis walking into a cave of some kind. There's lots of tree roots around. Alpha's there. She asks Francis to remove her mask. She does. Then she kneels before Alpha, and Alpha puts her hands on each side of her head, and Francis screams, but we kind of see what's going on outside in the forest, and we can hear her scream, and we see the reaction from her sister and from Beta. Um, And then we cut back inside the cave, and it turns out Alpha doesn't kill her. She ends up kind of embracing and comforting her. So once again, don't ever you just never know what you're going to get with this person. Why, Why did she scream? Was she just because she was very, very upset or did Alpha do something to her, like send uh, mental shockwaves through her brain or what happened there? I don't think Alpha did anything to her. I think Francis was just frightened. I think she just, she expected at that moment she was about to die, right? And so she screams. I think it was a sort of a primal reaction to what was about to happen or what she thought was about to happen. Right. And then Alpha kind of embraces her and, uh, basically says, you know, I forget the exact words, but you are a great person. This was ordained from the beginning and everything's going to be fine and uh, you're going to be anointed uh, superpowers. That's what she says? <laughs> something sort of like lines. something something along those lines but it's it reminded of uh, reminded me of, you know, the uh, uh, the evil uh, leader of a group no matter what happens. This was the plan all along. This is what I foresaw. This is what uh, what has you know God has ordained or anything. Doesn't matter what happens. That's always part of the plan. Right, right. Well, you know what the whole scene reminded me of. What's that? The scene where on Dagobah, where Luke walks into the kind of cave under the tree to face his greatest oh, yeah. fear. <laughs> yeah. Right. 
that's I felt as soon as I saw Francis walking in here and it's you know under trees and there's roots and stuff like that and it's all dark and damp I'm like oh she's going into the Dagobah cave to face her greatest fear that's obviously what's happening here it took me a long time to accept that uh, Luke uh, failed in that cave even though Yoda says remember your failure in the cave I'm like dude he cut off Darth Vader's head how is that a failure yeah even if it was an imaginary Darth Vader he still did it this is his job. I guess so. He did he not fail. His, he saw his own face in Darth Vader's mask, right? It was his potential yeah. future, really. Yeah, it, it kind of makes sense. But, you know, if you take the uh, half of the hallucination afterwards and the hallucination before, uh, he, he did his job. He cut off Darth Vader's head. That's what uh, that's what he was supposed to do. Well, I guess Except so. Except that Yoda said that was a failure. So I guess Luke learned from that. And the next time he had the chance, he didn't do it. He only cut off his hand. Right. I'm not cutting off the head. That's obviously not what he wants. I'll just cut off a hand. Maybe that's better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, back to The Walking Dead. After a commercial break, we are back in the present, and uh, Francis comes back from the cave. I think Beta and her sister are kind of surprised to see her, but she says she'll never stray again. She's learned her lesson. And then another whisperer mentions that they also keep thinking about Hilltop, and maybe they should join them. Uh, which is surprising, I thought. That seems like the kind of dissent that you wouldn't tolerate in the Whisperer community. Uh, Beta notices this. Then he goes to question Alpha why he spared Francis, and he informs Alpha that the others are talking of the life they saw, but Alpha calls it a fantasy, not a life. Right, because they're all dead, right? And those people are just pretending that they're not dead. Yeah, exactly. And then Beta also says that he's seen Alpha wander away from the camp at night. So there's little hints here of something else going on that we don't really understand yet, but we're going to find out more about. Uh, We jump back to the past. Alpha is walking the hospital halls. She's humming, and she encounters some zombies, ends up having to kill a couple and then fight the rest of them side by side with the big guy. And they seem to realize that they make a good team. And she says, I like killing with you as she uh-huh. starts carving up the dead zombies. Yeah, you know, it's it's nice when you can find somebody who is compatible with you. Yeah, absolutely. And she seems to have. Now, she's char- she's chopping them up and, you know, breaking through bones and stuff. And he has to break open some ribs for her. And here's another scene that I thought was super gross. And again, they're ramping up the... The kind of gore factor, I think, with yep. stuff like this. And they end up deciding to call each other B and A. So if it wasn't clear to anybody yet, and I've kind of shied away from it so far, but obviously this is Beta, and this is the story of the two of them meeting and coming together. Oh, you didn't know that from, like, you realized that as soon as you saw him in the hallway, right? Yes, of course. I, okay. I knew that. Everyone did. But just, just in case, you know, anyone out there didn't get it. Because, you know, as during the recap, she didn't give him that name. She didn't actually even really give him the name in the whole episode. But at this point, like, if you're not, if you're, if you're unsure, it's not really a question anymore. I see. Okay. Yeah. Uh, he figures out that she uses the blood and the guts to move with the zombies and uh, she says, you can't just move with them. You have to become them. You have to feel nothing 
like they feel nothing. And then she goes to touch him, but he tells her, he doesn't like this at all. He tells her to leave at sunrise and not come back. Well, she goes to lift up his mask, right? He's got this uh, lovely knitted uh, mask that he's wearing to cover his face. And she goes to lift it up and he grabs her and says, no, you don't touch me. Don't touch my mask. Get the hell out of here. Oh, I, I know she lifts it up later, but I didn't realize she was trying to lift it at this point too. But that does kind of make more sense. Yeah, she was going for the mask. I don't know if she was just going to touch his face or uh, lift the mask, but my, my impression was that she was going to lift the mask. Okay. Yeah, it, it kind of makes sense. But he doesn't has wants nothing to do with that for now. So he says, you know what? Don't lift my mask. Instead, get the hell out at sunrise. Yeah. So back in the present, we've got Frances and her sister at night. They're talking about what it was like to be alone with Alpha. And for the first time in the episode, neither of them are wearing masks, uh, which I thought was interesting. So now we know that her sister is played by Thora Birch, a pretty known actress who we knew was cast on the show, but here she is. She's shown up. Awesome. Cool. Uh, Francis claims that her head is right again and that she's glad she sac sacrificed her son. And she also says that when Alpha watched her daughter die, she didn't shed one tear. So this is kind of the first confirmation we have that something is going on here and Alpha has lied to the group that Lydia is dead. Yeah. Right? So that's a big deal. Uh, we cut to them, I guess, the next day walking with the, with the zombies. There's a big crowd of zombies this time. And they see the satellite break through the sky and the zombies all become restless from the noise and the fire, I guess, things like that. Um, and they, they kind of lose control of them. Francis starts freaking out uh, once again when she sees a zombie wearing an empty baby carrier. And right. she flashes back to bringing the baby to Hilltop. Uh, is is this the part where we see... Yeah. Yeah, where we see Alpha tell her to bring the baby? Yeah. Yeah, which is even more fucked up uh, than just a zombie walk or sorry a, a whisperer walking around with a baby like it's uh so alpha had this plan or why like this was something that alpha needed in in her back pocket like bring your baby so because uh, so, i complained a lot about why not leave the baby with the other people so this answers that uh open question of uh you know alpha wanted that baby there in order to make a point like so she was purposefully willing to sacrifice a baby in order to make a point, uh, which is just sad and crazy. And the fact that uh, this woman would bring her baby to satisfy that craziness is just double crazy. Well, it is, but this is the kind of thing we're dealing with here, right? And I think, I don't think Alpha went in with a specific plan back then, but she told her to bring the baby as like you said, to have in her back pocket as something they can, they can whip out if they need to, right? If uh, which which is going to put anybody um, in a confused state, I think. And by anybody, I mean like Daryl and everyone else they were talking to. Like, what do you? How do you yeah. react to that? You know, it's it's almost impossible to to react to something like that. So, I I mean, whatever. I don't know if Alpha had a specific plan, but she definitely was like, we can do something with this baby that's going to throw them off and give us the advantage, I think was basically the idea. Yeah. 
So I don't know if that's uh, clever or well, it's it's definitely evil. But I don't know if it's clever, clever or diabolical or just uh, I don't know. It's it confuses me even a little bit more about uh, how this group operates and how someone can uh, be willing to uh, bring their baby and then sacrifice their baby uh, and then let their baby go. Because I guess she knows that the baby's now uh, or is with Hilltop or went to Hilltop and is not dead, right? Right. So at least there's that. I guess they saw. I guess they saw Connie pick it up, pick him up, and uh, and run off. But um, there you go, calling a baby an it again, Chris. Yeah, because I don't think it's a big deal. Nobody wrote in about that that I that I know <laughs> no, of yet. I'm the only one who cares. Yeah. Okay then. <laughs> <laughs> um. So. Yeah, but I think this is a good illustration of the kind of people we're dealing with here and sort of what I liked about this episode. It gave us a real better insight into the way the Whisperers operate, the way Alpha operates, and uh, just how out there they really are, right? And and that gives them this unpredictability that I think makes them interesting and really scary. Yeah, they're pretty... Uh, they're pretty out there. They're kind of a, they're a weird cult, and uh, they don't make any sense to me. But uh, at least now I can see them as a threat, uh, in that they are at least unpredictable. Right. Okay. Scary and unpredictable. Yeah. Yeah. It's like uh, it's like crawling into a sleeping bag with a Tasmanian devil. I don't know if a real Tasmanian devil, but the one from the cartoons uh, is what I'm thinking of. So, it, you know, they could cuddle up to you and just kind of go to sleep and purr. Do Tasmanian devils purr? I somehow I think they purr, uh, or they could just go blah, 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 and then just uh, chew right through all of your chest. Well, we don't know if they purr, but we definitely know they make that sound. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't want to crawl into a, a sleeping bag with a Tasmanian devil because you don't know what's going to happen. No, it's unpredictable. All right, back to the scene here. So she, Francis flashes back to bringing the baby to Hilltop and then takes off her mask, charges at Alpha, jumps on her back, and then Beta and her sister have to rescue Alpha, but her sister kind of shoves Francis into the zombies and they leave her to be torn apart by them. So Francis is no more. She's dead. Yeah, bye-bye, Francis. Yeah. After a commercial break, we come back. We are in the present still, and we're at another Whisperer camp. Alpha removes the sister's mask and asks if she regrets what she did. And the sister calls her calls Francis uncommitted, and that she had to protect Alpha. And Alpha says that this day, that what she did will never be forgotten. And then Beta comes up, sends them away, and asks if Alpha is hurt, but he can't believe how calm she is after everything that's just happened. Yeah, she's crazy. Yeah, they all are. We go back to the past. We have young Lydia. She finds the buckets of gore in the hospital. She starts spreading it on herself and then wanders the halls, repeating the words, we are, uh, we're all monsters. We're all monsters too. Uh, Back to the present, we're skipping back and we're jumping around quickly now. Uh, Alpha gives Francis's sister a name, finally. She anoints her Gamma, 
in whatever the whisperer naming ceremony is, and the rest of the whisperers all start whispering amongst each other to Gamma over and over again. So now we can finally call her Gamma. Yeah. So Gamma is the third letter of the Greek alphabet, right? So I I don't think that there is a naming ceremony. I think this is the first naming ceremony because we have Alpha, Beta, Gamma, right? So I don't think there's a, there's there's no C. Like uh, I, I'm pretty sure that Gamma is the third letter of the Greek alphabet. Okay, good point. Like this might be the first time they've they've done this, right? But it kind of felt like a ceremony to me, you know. They're all yeah. Well, that that's the whole. Uh, no matter what happens, this was always part of the plan, right? Right. So that this random event happened, and you saved me. Therefore, it's been ordained by God that you save me, and and therefore you're. Uh, elevated amongst uh, above the rest of this unwashed rabble, yeah. So and now, uh, you know, you're we're all equal in the fact that we're all dead, but you're a little more equal than the rest because yeah. you have a name. Because you have a name, that's right. Well, the rest, all the whispers are standing around chanting this two gamma thing, except for Beta. I noticed he's not really chanting, and he's kind of eyeing Alpha with some skeptical doubt. It looks like to me. After a commercial break, we're in the present. Beta comes to Gamma and asks where Alpha is. She says that she went to the old camp a while ago. Um, and now from here on, we, we jump back and forth pretty quickly. So I'm actually going to go to the past. I'm going to stay in the past for a minute and recap that bit. And then we'll talk about what's happening in the present. So sorry if that's confusing for anyone. Um, but we go back to the past. We have... Alpha waking up and she finds Lydia missing and we know that Lydia is still wandering the halls we see her she comes to a door there's zombies banging on the other side of it um, Alpha is following her bloody footprints looking for her and she realizes that Lydia has gone into Beta's part of the hospital which they're not supposed to go into uh, so Lydia is trying to find her she comes to a room with a picture of Beta and another man with their faces scratched out. And the other man is wearing a happy face shirt, which we've seen on Beta in the present. In fact, it may be the only shirt we've ever seen him in. I'm pretty sure this is Beta's son. Son, eh? Well, that's what I'm thinking, is that uh, this was... That's what I'm thinking, is that this was his his son. He's shorter than him. Uh, I think behind him there's... uh, the word second, but I think it might be secondary or something because it might be high school. So I just, I got the impression that this other person was, uh, was Beta's son. Interesting. There's debate whether it's like his brother or just friend or who knows, but son, I haven't heard come up before, but it could be. Yeah. I don't really see why it couldn't be his son actually. Isn't the sign behind them in the picture though something like a a mental health sign or something like that like a clinic for that kind of thing or am i misremembering yeah it could be where your next i don't know it's hard to read the sign okay uh, but the the shirt says have a happy day i can read that as clear as day in the photograph i'm talking about of them with their faces scratched out yeah i'm looking at the photograph the shirt says have a happy day with yeah. a smiling face on it and uh, in the oh addiction treatment oh there you go yeah that's what I'm there that's what is. I'm thinking of okay so I see second might be second chance addic- addiction treatment center where your 
next something or other. Your next, you know, get three uh, three recoveries and your fourth one's free. Maybe that's what it says. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. That's not funny. <laughs> um, anyways, yeah. So it could be son, could be, I mean, just in any case, it's someone close to him that, but we don't really know the relationship yet. Um, so Beta approaches Alpha from behind and Alpha says that she just needs to find her daughter. Uh, Beta says he doesn't care and she shouldn't be there. And then from behind Beta, a zombie wearing the happy face shirt approaches. Alpha sort of lunges past and kills it and Beta yells, no. So that was the guy in the photograph. Yeah. So he was being, he was a pet zombie. He was a pet zombie, exactly. Beta was keeping him around zombified uh, and was pretty unhappy when Alpha killed him. Now, meanwhile, in the present, uh, what we were jumping back and forth to was that Beta finds Alpha at this other camp of theirs, former camp, I guess, where she's appeared to have built something, some kind of shrine to Lydia, and she's there holding Lydia's bunny rabbit you know beta realizes this and he realizes that lydia is still alive he asks why she lied to him and says that lydia is never coming back uh and alpha admits that she could not kill her own daughter even though that's what she told all the rest of the whisperers she did um so here here we are like this is this is the other side the the other I guess, extreme of Alpha in that suddenly she's kind of a caring, feeling human being who couldn't bring herself to kill her own daughter. Um, even after everything we've seen in other episodes and earlier in this episode, she's she's coming across as less monstrous. And I kind of thought that was an interesting thing for the show to do, give her a little bit of depth here and make the audience go, wait a minute, maybe she isn't so bad. Or is that just me? That's just you. Uh, I mean, sure, it's hard to deal with the you know the the loss of a child, and you know I can understand not wanting to kill your child uh, and letting them go rather than doing it and lying about it and building a shrine. That seems a little crazy. I'm not sure what it was. It a crib? It was like it was it a big crib made out of sticks? It kind of uh, looked I, like that to me. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I didn't quite understand it, but yeah, I mean, she's flaky. She's all over the place, right? She's uh, all all whispers are equal, but some are more equal than others. So we got an animal farm going on here too. So yeah. there's there's all kinds of things going on. Yeah. So Beta extends a hand to her, and she takes it, and she says that the rest of the pack can't know. And so immediately after this humanizing moment. Uh, we go back to the other side of, of Alpha, where now all of a sh- sudden she says, Lydia is dead to me. The moment she was born, she was dead to me because she was not like me. Like, that's horrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a, not a nice thing to say as a parent. Uh, and it, it, she's a horrible person. Horrible person just from, from the get-go. Right. Like, even if she doesn't mean it, the fact that she said it is still makes her a horrible person. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with that. Uh, she she goes crazy. She starts destroying the camp, shouting, she was not like me. So I just think that Alpha is all over the place. It's it's uh, 
I, I think it works for me for some reason as the character. Like she's so inconsistent. It just adds to her unpredictability and bonkersness. And you just never know what you're going to get, which I think makes her a interesting and b dangerous. Uh, you know, yeah. so I, I think the, I think the character is really coming together to be honest in the way that she's just so nuts. You know, after talking about this uh, in depth, I think I'm coming around to that way of thinking. And and as I've often said, consistency is the refuge of the weak-minded. So maybe she is a great leader because she's inconsistent and is not tied to uh, one simple belief system that is both valid for her and the people that she leads. Uh, so I, I'm coming around. I'm, I'm, I'm slowly getting there, like I said. Uh, she just the motivation in this episode makes a little more sense, and the actor who plays Beta uh, has brought me a, not an inconsiderable uh, way into uh, liking these uh, these bad guys a little bit more. Yeah, 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 totally. Well, I, I think the actor who plays Beta and the actor who plays uh, Alpha are both fantastic. I mean, these this is some good casting here. I think for both of these characters, they the show really knocked this one out of the park. Yeah. I would say so. All right, so we so we go to the past and Beta is in a rage. He's destroying the room where his friend has just been killed. And then he picks up his machete again and he comes uh, at uh Alpha and Lydia and Alpha tells Beta he's not broken, that he was made for this, and then he lunges at her, but Lydia yells out, She's trying to save you. So Lydia's like, settle down, man. She's trying to like be your friend and save you. Yeah. He, he does seem to calm down. Alpha embraces Lydia, says she's proud, but then screams at her to never leave her again. So once again, <laughs> you get both sides of Alpha in like one sentence practically. Yeah. Well, you get this to uh, carrot the stick, right? Uh, here's, uh, I'm, I'm really glad that you're back. And uh, here's a smack across the face for leaving. Right, exactly. So Beta is now attending to his dead friend on the ground. Alpha asks him to join her and walk with her in the darkness. He never has to be alone again, she says, and he starts saying, I am the end of the world. But she changes it and says, we are the end of the world, and then rolls up his mask to look at his face. But we as the audience never get to see it. So Beta doesn't want to leave this man, says that you, um, uh, and Alpha says that you won't have to, and hands him a knife. So he starts carving off the guy's face, and this is where we realize that the mask that Beta is wearing is made from his friend slash son or whoever's face, and uh, I think that's the only mask he's ever had. It's the same one he's had since the beginning, or since that scene. Yeah. Yeah, so he's wearing, if it's not his son, it's his boyfriend. If it's not his boyfriend, it's his brother. If it's not his brother, it's just, you know, a really close buddy. But either way, uh, wearing their face uh, as a mask all the time. Like, he doesn't take this thing off. Everybody else takes their mask off. Right. Beta does not. And with the fact that he was wearing this blue knitted uh, hoodie, hood, mask thing from before means that there's something going on there that he's trying to hide. Uh, whether it's real or imagined, I don't know. Uh, but that's pretty gross to not only wear somebody else's face, but to wear somebody else that is close to you and that you care about. Uh, carving their 
face off their skull and then putting it on is pretty twisted. It's twisted, but I think Beta sees this as like honoring him in a way, right? He's like, I'm going to wear his face forever because yeah. he died and I didn't. And that's twisted. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's <laughs> twisted. Uh, I'm going to tell you about a, a fan theory that uh, is out there as to who Beta is. And the idea is that people think that Beta was somebody at least semi-famous before the zombie apocalypse. Uh, because on Fear the Walking Dead, do you remember the scene where Daniel dumps the records all over the road and then kind of steps on them and stuff? There is one album cover that has a guy on the front that looks kind of like the actor who plays Beta. And everyone yeah. thinks that maybe Beta was a musician like in real life back in the day. And he's... You know, and he wears this mask permanently because he doesn't want people in the zombie apocalypse to recognize him from his previous life. Um, and the other thing they noticed is that, you know, the guy on the album cover has a cowboy hat on. The guy in the picture with his friend in this episode is wearing a very similar cowboy hat. So they think this is a thing where the shows are kind of cross-pollinating each other with uh, kind of an Easter egg, but... Just right. a, a, you know, a reference to each other. And then the fact that we don't get to see his face, the audience doesn't get to see his face. And when Alpha peeled up the mask in this episode, she kind of laughs, almost like she recognized him from somewhere. So all of these things make people believe that this is a thing and that they're purposefully hiding his face. And maybe we'll just never see it, but that he maybe was a known public figure in the pre-zombie apocalypse. Right, and it, and it, it kind of, uh, the fact that he said that the sound of the zombies are the only song he doesn't want to end yeah. also lean, makes it lean towards uh, a musician of some kind. Right, exactly, and he's humming and he's had that line, so I think it could be a thing, uh, whether it's ever confirmed or not. Maybe he's just got this uh, one big, huge, nasty pimple or a boil or something on his head, and he's just embarrassed about it. <laughs> yeah, it could be that too. could be as simple as yeah, that. So, yeah, it could be either theory, really. Yes. I, you know, maybe we'll find out, maybe we won't. Uh, who knows? Interesting to speculate, though. Yeah. So we go back to the present, and Alpha has finished destroying that camp, uh, and then Beta informs her that he saw smoke by the border, and they both realize that the enemy has probably crossed the border. She wants to teach them a lesson, so now they're going back. Uh, if they weren't going before, now they're definitely going back to teach everybody a lesson. She yeah. puts on her mask, and they join hands, and they start some kind of whisper or creed or tenet or, like, mission statement or something. They start yeah. saying things like, we walk in darkness, we are free. We bathe in blood, we are free. We love nothing, we are free. We fear nothing, we are free. And it goes on for a little bit, and then it finishes, of course, with, we are the end of the world. And... As we hear that, we get the final shot of the episode, which is Alpha standing on her rock uh, face with Carol across the valley on the other side, looking down, and we cut to black. So we've taken these two episodes, gotten to the exact same point, and now we can proceed from here next week. Yay! With uh, a right, Carol exactly. and Alpha show-off. Show-off? 
Face off. Showdown. Showdown. Face off. off. Yeah. There you go. Dust up. Uh, definitely a dust up. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so there you have it. That is the all whisperer episode for season 10, episode two, uh, a bottle episode, essentially focusing on the backstory of alpha and beta and how they came together, what they kind of have had to do and why they have this outlook in a way on everything. And we are the end of the world. So, uh, as I said, I liked it. I thought this was great. I think Samantha Morton is fantastic. I think that the alpha character is way more interesting now than she was before this episode because we have this history and we see her flip-flop on the insanity scale like from one sentence to the next. And I like that. I get that not everybody does, but it works for me. Yeah, and I'm coming around. I'm uh, I'm starting to see it too. I'm glad we had this talk, Chris. Because uh, oh, uh, I, I I like the uh, the whispers a little bit more now than I did uh, a few hours ago. Oh, that's good, man. I'm glad I can I can uh, start bringing you around. Uh, and you know, I also think it's interesting that our sort of take on the whispers or our feeling about them is is that different. And and the only thing I can think of is that. Either I'm insane too, so identify with with Alpha a little bit, or I read the comics and you didn't. So I kind of already knew a little bit what to expect with the yeah. Whisperers, and I was ready for it, whereas you weren't. And so you're you're coming to it fresh, and you're just not able to buy in as quickly, which is interesting. Yeah, so that that's that's pretty much my take as well. Is that uh... I I didn't understand where they were coming from, and a lot of the comic book readers would understand more than someone you know with my limited mental capacity for understanding, <laughs> uh, you know, stuff that's going on. Yeah, well, you know, we all have that problem sometimes. It's okay, man. Yeah, thanks. All right, um, let's wrap it up there. Then I, I want to say that I, I apologize. There wasn't nearly any um, sort of holy craps, or there wasn't really any holy craps, or uh, you know, listener feedback in this episode. Mostly because, as you know, I'm, I'm traveling. I didn't get a chance to go through too much of the email. And uh, what I think I'll do is try to include it when we record some feedback later in the week about this episode. So I apologize for that, but. Hopefully it didn't uh, upset anyone too much. I'm 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 crying a little bit on the inside. Okay, I know. I'm sorry I disappointed you and let you down. I'll try not to do it again. I'll I'll just I'll cry myself to sleep later. It'll be fine. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right, that is going to do it, everyone. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in. If you want to get in touch with us, the best way to do that is to email talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can also record your comments, which is great because I love playing audio recordings on the show. You can do that by just using like the recording app on your phone if you have one or visiting our website at talkingdeadpodcast.com and clicking on send voicemail at the top you can also find us on facebook at facebook.com slash the talking dead where i you know gather some comments as well sometimes for uh, listener feedback all right uh that is going to do it jason i am going to try not to go outside anymore today lest i melt <laughs> in a giant pool of humidity um but uh you know 
hopefully I can survive the next few days and uh, hopefully we can record the feedback show in a couple of days. Yeah. All right. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Until next time, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Ciao.